In today's show, we're going live. I'm new, using a new setup, so hopefully going live works fine here. We are looking at Dynasty Basketball. I'm going to be joined by Kostya Medvedovsky to talk Dynasty as we answer your questions and uh, covering a little bit of the, the news of the day across the NBA. Michael Bolton, he's ready to watch. Let's go. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are here with a mailbag show. We're going to answer some dynasty questions. And to do that, I am joined by Kostya Medvedovsky. Kostya, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to have you back on. We'll see what questions we get people bringing in here. But before we go into that, some big news in the NBA today, Kostya, with Gersan Rosas um, dismissed from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, a weird weird timing of the decision, I guess, as he uh, is moved on from a week before training camp starts. Two weeks ago, he was making deals and getting Patrick Beverly and signing Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin and bringing over Leandro Balmaro. And you had him run the whole offseason and uh, now he's out. Yeah, I like those moves he was making too. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of his tenure to date, but the you know I like the Vanderbilt deal. I like Beverly. Yeah, I, okay, I agree. I wasn't. I didn't like what he did early on. Didn't like the D'Angelo Russell deal, the Jared Culver pick and trade. Wasn't a huge fan of those moves. Wasn't a huge fan of trading away that pick 17 to bring in Ricky Rubio. Yes, it did bring them back the picks that got yeah McDaniel's and Bolmaro. Yeah, McDaniel's obviously a win at that spot. It's a great pick, but I didn't like everything that that he's done there. But um, the recent moves, yeah, great. Like, I, yeah, Beverly and Vanderbilt and McLaughlin, all that sort of stuff, really, really solid stuff, I, I thought. But the timing here is pretty curious, Kostya, and there's obviously a lot of stuff happening with this move that we aren't privy to. Um, it's not just a, well, you're underperforming your role, so therefore um, we think it's time for us to go in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, they also have new ownership, but uh, yeah, given the timing and the rumors are he, you know, he was at practice this morning, uh, you know, obviously it looks like something's up. Yeah, there are. Yeah, that, that's that's the weird one. Like he's at, he's at practice, he's running the team that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't know. It's very much, yeah, there's rumors are this was brewing for a while, but the decision is obviously a snap decision if he's there running things during the day and now he's out. How Towns reacts to this remains to be seen. It looks like uh, Sachin Gupta is going to be in charge. Whether he remains in charge long-term, who knows? I would assume that he is a pretty big favorite to do that. Uh, He's got a pretty good reputation coming from uh, Houston and Philadelphia. And now he is in Minnesota running the show. And we'll see if that makes the likelihood of a Ben Simmons deal any higher or lower, depending on, I guess, Gupta's uh, impression of Simmons from his time in Philadelphia. But massive upheaval, which is not anything new for the Minnesota Timberwolves. No, it's not. All right. So um, we'll we'll get into some questions in a second. If you are watching this live here on YouTube, jump in, throw us some questions out, Dynasty questions. Um, I just want to ask you a question because sometimes, yeah, I, I, people know that I hate the trade machine. Like I hate trade machines that people get so excited about putting trades into trade machines. Here's a 20 player, five team deal. This stuff is insane. I saw what I think is probably one of the worst trades I've ever seen. And it wasn't a big convoluted one. I want to get your opinion of it. It was 
bear in mind, this was on a Knicks, a Knicks webpage, a Knicks website. And they said, how about us as the New York Knicks? We send Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox. We send those guys to the Orlando Magic for Wendell Carter Jr. and an unprotected first round pick in 2022. That was... That was, the, and this is just encapsulates why I just hate this sort of shit. Um, but I'm going to bring it up here. That, that was the deal. And then they said, as the Knicks, we probably wouldn't do it. Now, Kostya, my incredulity over the Knicks thinking that would be a deal that Orlando would make and then saying, guys, we wouldn't accept your unprotected first round pick uh, for the younger and better player, or sorry, with the younger and better player in Wendell Carter, it blew my mind. Am I, am I crazy there? No, absolutely. I mean, Orlando's in the, in the running for the worst team in the league. Uh, I mean, they they got they got some pieces, but they're they're over under. I think it's like 23, 27 or something like that. So that that's a that's a high pick, and you know, Toppin is I can't even remember. He's 23, 24, and didn't have the greatest year. Yeah. I, Carter just turned yeah. twenty two. Like he's two years younger. Okay. Knox is out of the league, and or he's going to be out of the league. And uh, yeah, Toppin is old and uh, worse. Uh, it and then the, the Knicks the Knicks fans commenting. I oh, we'd never do that. No way. No, I can't give up Obi. Like my guys, the the blinders that teams have on when or fans of teams have on when viewing these sort of things is absolute insanity. But let's go into some questions that we do have coming across here. Alan Yunan says, how do you think the Roses firing affects Towns? Do you think, you know, this is speculation. Of course, he t- tweeted out WTF after the uh, the Roses uh, firing. Do you think that yeah, hastens any decision of Towns maybe wanting to move on from Minnesota? Not that he was you know, particularly... You know, attached to Rosas, but more just like more more bullshit, more upheaval, more change. Why is this stuff continually happening with his team? Yeah, I mean, look the the more the more bullshit aspect probably doesn't doesn't help. It's like why is there always so much chaos here? But I wouldn't read too much into a spur of the moment tweet either. He was just like, what the hell? I, this guy was at practice this morning and now he's gone. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much you know what what uh, you know, my thoughts would be if I was him. Um, yeah. Just the the like, what is going on? Like, we are about to start you know, training camp. Everything's ready to go, and now you are uh, and now you're doing this. Uh, pretty pretty weird stuff. Leonardo Banegas says, "Where do you think Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley should be drafted in a 12 man ESPN points startup?" Roughly. All right. So you've done a lot of you know forward projecting stuff on on players. Not sure how much you've done on the incoming rookie. So I'm interested to hear your take on these guys. I would be. In terms of looking at Cade, like I feel pretty confident in him being really good long term. I would have no problem with him being inside the top twenty-five in terms of a startup draft. If you want to go top twenty, I've got no issue with that. And I think Mobley should be taken inside the top fifty, probably inside the top forty, um, in those in those um, startup type scenarios. How do you view those guys, and how much work have you done on forward projecting rookies? Even though you know, we've got no NBA data to go off. Yeah, I, I haven't done as much, uh, you know, Darko hasn't done as much uh, with NCAA stuff. Um, I'll say the people, you know, I, I trust for N- NBA draft stuff, uh, they are pretty high on Cage. Uh, you know, there's one notable exception, you know, people compare, comparing to Clay. Uh, I think that's the most common upside sh- comparison I've seen. Um, but, you know, shooting, often t- often that takes a minute to to pick up. I, but I, I generally believe in him. Um Mobley, uh, he, you know, he's people are more all over the board about him. I think uh, bottom end of that, that top fifty sounds about right. Yeah, look, I think Mobley's got uh, top twenty upside coming through, um, but you know that might take five years, so you wouldn't want to take him 
you wouldn't want to take him in the top um, in the top fifth or in the top twenty, just hoping that that can come through. Like that's that's a little bit of a stretch, but you know, I think he can get there. But you know, I think Cade can get there too, just a lot earlier. And that's sort of why I would be happy to take Cade in that in that zone. You'll see Cade going at like pick twelve there sometimes in drafts. All right, um, William Downs, Christian Wood, or Evan Mobley for dynasty. For me, it's really clearly Evan Mobley. You are talking. I think six years difference in their age, Kostya. It's it's very clear. Look, if if next year, like Mobley could easily be as good, if not better, than Christian Wood, and you've got you know six year age gap or whatever it is, it's a really clear one to me that I'm taking Mobley. Yeah, I mean, I definitely take Mobley in any kind of dynasty format. I'd be pretty surprised if Mobley approached Wood's value this year. I'll say, but I agree. the age gap and the you know the Wood sort of out out of nowhere appearance, you know, gives a little bit of. Uh, uh, gives me a little pause uh, in projecting him forward. How old's Wood? Twenty six, I think. He should be twenty six. I think maybe uh, going to turn twenty seven this year. Let's have a look. Uh, he just turned twenty six, so yeah, we're, he's going to be twenty seven start of next season. So he's just turned yeah. twenty six. Whereas Mobley, I don't think has even turned. Well, he just he's turned twenty. So yeah, we're talking six years difference between uh, between these guys. Um, this might be a familiar problem for you, Kostya, or any of the people watching or listening to this show, is that you've got one place where you watch live sports, you've got another where you go and you watch your favorite shows, you get your highlights on your phone, and then get someone else's login to watch someone else. This is too much clutter. There's too much confusion. Stuff is all over the place. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. If you are looking to play a new Dynasty League or a new Fantasy Basketball League and you're playing with some people who may be just getting started in Fantasy Basketball, Sleeper is a new host site that you can try. You may be familiar with Sleeper from Fantasy Football. Well, they're bringing their Fantasy Football stylings to Fantasy Basketball. Their app is super fun, super clean to use. They have Dynasty redraft formats, a lot of different options for all those things. They are only offering points leagues and they do use their proprietary game, not proprietary because I know what the formula is, their game pick... um, Format where you pick just one game for each player each week, so you don't worry about who plays more games during the week. It's very much akin to fantasy football. So if you're looking to start a dynasty league and you've got people coming in who are beginners to fantasy basketball, Sleeper is the app that you can try. So download that and start an uh, start a league with your mates. All right, I'm sure since I've been babbling there, we've had other questions come through. Daniel Benny. All right, now, Daniel, this is not a dynasty question, but because you have super chatted, we'll answer it anyway. I'm 11th in a 12-team nine-cat league. I usually get one of Tatum Beal or Paul George at number 11, but trouble choosing the type of punt and pick 14. I think people really over... um, I don't know if overvalue or overstate is the correct term, uh, but really overlook, think what they're doing with their first round and second round pick. It is, especially first round, it is hard to like screw that up. All right, so you get one of those guys. Like if you get Paul George or Beal the next pick, you do it. Like I wouldn't put Vooch in that mix at all. I wouldn't put Van Vliet there. Like, if you can get Paul George or Beal to go with Tatum, Beal, or Paul George, those two, look, that's it. And then you get those guys, and you're probably going to end up punting field goal percentage there. And punting assist is always a strong move as well. You don't have to do both. You can do one. You don't have to do any of them. But don't overthink it too much. To me, it's clearly Paul George and Beal. Then the next group is Van Vliet and Davis, and then Vooch behind them. Do you have any sort of views on that for this season, uh, Kostya? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think that's absolutely right. I, I wouldn't overthink this. You know, you got two two absolutely premium names up there. I do like uh, you know that Davis is going to be playing center. Uh, it's going to be yeah. uh, good uh, good for the Lakers. It's going to you know uh, create some interesting category stuff for him. Maybe a little higher field goal percentage. Um, so I'm kind I'm kind of high on him this year. Uh, yeah, otherwise, I, I agree. It's got to be uh, George and Bill there. Marek Banash says, how do we f- you find balance between upside and players performing well currently when starting new dynasties? Now, this is yeah, a, a tough question. I think a lot of the time, if you try and split the middle between those two, you sort of end up in no man's land, as a lot of NBA teams do, and try and go, well, we'll just push for the eight seed, or we'll try and get in the play and then you're sort of stuck nowhere. So it is a hard thing to do. I think you've either got to lean you're fully into it, and go, well, we're just going to be using things like the Darko projections are going, well, let's try and be good in 2026 and let's yeah, value guys this way. Or you see in dynasty startups a lot that old guys get discounted completely and try and win in the next two years and draft Chris Paul and draft LeBron at pick 50 and Paul at pick 80. And yeah, these older guys who fall 20, 30 spots because they're over the age of 30, do that. But yeah, you've got to pick one direction. I think what it ends up with is look where your, your first pick is. And look who ends up being available to you and which direction does that push you? I guess the harder question is, is when you end up with guys like, say, Towns or MB, these guys who are 25 to 27, like which direction do you go? And I think that does enable you to go either way there. But I wouldn't be trying to like, well, I'll get a couple of old guys and then I'll get uh, a bunch of guys who are 21 because that, that, again, puts you in no man's land posture. Yeah, you got you got to you know be flexible to start off with, and but then pick, pick a direction. The, the other thing I'll add is it seems like it should depend on league depth. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if I'm in an eight-team uh, league, I'm sort of probably more inclined to maybe go for it early. Uh, whereas if it's like a sixteen-team uh, or deeper league, uh, I might I'm probably you know realistically the odds of lucking into a win early are, are low, so I'm more inclined to build for the future. The future GM one says, "Is Josh Giddy worth keeping?" Well. It's very hard for us to answer that just off the bat because I don't know, you know, I would just say yes, but do you have to pay a penalty? Like, do you have to cut other guys to keep him? Who knows? But yeah, in general, the number six pick in the draft who's never played an NBA game, yes, I would keep him. But he says, how good do you think he can be by 2026? Now, I'm probably higher on Giddy than most. Kostya, I do think that he can become, you know, not an absolute star or anything, probably not even an all-star level player, but a really solid um, starting point guard. You worry a little bit about his shooting, but I think that his fantasy value it could end up being like more like Lonzo Ball, not necessarily Lamelo Ball, although Lonzo is a much better defender. Um, I think he can be a guy that's probably getting close to that top 50 zone in yeah, four or five years' time. How, how do you view Giddy? You know, so look, they, they, they spent a high pick on him. They're going to give him run, uh, room to run. Uh, he's going he's gonna to probably get to shoot. Uh, he's not going to shoot well, I would guess. So he's going to uh, do some damage there. But uh, when you spend a pick on, on that guy, on a guy that high, and you get, hand him the starting point guard job, uh, probably in a year or two. Um, uh, I think it's going to start this year. All right, David Rumper. I have the number one pick in my uh, 10-team, seven-player keeper league. I'm taking Cade. If I was to entertain trades, what value does he have? I think, we talked to Cade a little bit already. I think, Dave, you have to view Cade as a potential top 10 upside guy in five years. And if someone's not willing to give you back potential top 10 guys, and the sort of top 10 guys I'm talking about, if you talk young players, you know, Lamelo Balls, Zion Williamson, look there to me, two of those top 10 guys, like you had uh, Anthony Edwards in your projection to being one of those top 10 guys as well. Like that's the sort of value I'm placing on Cade. I'm not just giving him up in case he has rookie struggles. Like I'm putting that level of uh, upside on him as we move forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking to, again, people I know around the league, and you know, they view him as an above-average number one overall pick. And given the track record of over, number one overalls generally, you gotta, you got to put, put a pretty high value on him. Um, Martin Ramos says, is Kyrie's mental fragility a concern in Dynasty? I don't think he's mentally fragile even in the slightest. I think that is a ridiculous comment. But the early retirement thing, I think there is a real risk of Kyrie. He's not going to play till he's 36. I'm pretty confident of that. And I think that there is a concern. I'm not saying he's going to pull up stumps at you know, age 29 or 31 or whatever, but I do think he's probably not going to have the longevity of some other players in the NBA. How do you view that? You know, I, a lot of guys talk about this. Not, not a lot of guys really walk away and it's see true. their powers. Um, I, I, I'm always skeptical of this. Uh, I, I know Kyrie uh, seems to be a special case, but you know, he shows up, uh, you know, he, when it matters. You know, he takes these mental health breaks, but uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't really buy it. RKO Sial says, where do you project Scotty Barnes being taken in 10-team startup points leagues? Too high would be my answer, but I don't know where. But I think you'll go in the 80s in a lot of spots, and it's too high for me. I, I just don't view him as the level of prospect that others do, as people who listen and watch this show are well aware. And they uh, they hate they think I'm a hater. I hate, just hate the Raptors, which, again, could not be further from the truth. They are one of my favorite teams in the NBA. But what do you think about Barnes? Do you think that he does have star upside? I don't know if I, if he's got star upside. You know, I think the Raptors uh, present sort of a, a complicated situation too, just because they they don't really know what they're doing yet. Uh, so I, they don't know if they're going to try to uh, go for the play-in game, make the playoffs, or do a complete rebuild. So it's it's also just hard to project with w- what their situation is going to be and the team around him going forward. Yep. Um... Eric Wagner, why does the fantasy community consider Anth- uh, Anthony, no, Aaron Neesmith a better prospect going forward than Romeo Langford? I don't think it's just the fantasy community. I think it's just the general NBA community. Romeo Langford has not shown an ability to be anywhere close to even a below average NBA shooter at this point in his career. I think he can be a good defender, but Neesmith has more size. He's, a, I think, not quite an equivalent defender, but the difference between Neesmith and Langford's defense is nowhere near as large as the difference between Neesmith and Langford's offense. So that's why I would have Neesmith as a higher high value prospect. How would you view that? Yeah, I, I think it's just a question of which one's going to play. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan, and Neesmith I expect to get run this year. Langford, I don't, I don't really know. I think the team is higher on him. Uh, Stevens obviously isn't the coach anymore, but he starts to show a little bit of faith in Neesmith uh, down the stretch. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but I just expect him to play more. Justin C. I'm in an eight-cat dynasty league. My foundation is Giannis and KD. That's pretty good. What would be a good build to lean into with that core? Well, being good would be a good good build to lean into. Like, you've you already started off pretty well. Like, um, I think you've got most things sort of covered there with those two guys. KD's not the highest volume three-point shooter. And Yanni obviously doesn't shoot threes at all. So you could, yeah, eschew going after threes. But you've got, a, you've got two, like, top five type of players on your team already. So, yeah, whatever build you choose, like, you've already got a head start over the majority of teams in your league would be my guess. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is, you know, you have so, you have so much uh, firepower at the top. Uh, maybe you want to stay away from sort of high-risk, high-reward guys uh, elsewhere. And, you know, it sounds like your league is not that deep. Um, and so you can... Uh, you should really build for stability given you've got that, that top end power already. The chat's firing up here. So William Down says, where do you think Jalen Green will be ranked three year, in, in three years in a points league? I think Jalen Green is going to be, I think pretty comfortably top 50 in three years, probably pushing top 30 would be my guess. Points league is going to value high volume scoring. That's what he's going to bring. Yeah, his category league value probably won't ever catch up to his points league value, but I, I can see him averaging you know, over 20 points a game very easily in three years. He might even do it this year, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to give him run. Uh, it's like, like you said, in the points league, especially where you don't really care about maybe any kind of damage he does to your uh, your percentages. Um, he seems like a pretty good bet. JP Lawrence asked a question, which I'm not going. I don't think we're going to fully answer. Um, actually, I'll do Ralph's question first. Nine Cat Dynasty. I've got Cat Lamello and Drew. How is this working? Looks pretty good to me. Um, hard to hard to argue. Look, obviously the Drew Holiday age thing is a little bit different there, but you've got Lamelo Ball and Carl Anthony Towns, so you're already looking pretty good. But JP Lawrence says it's silly to predict the future, but what currently over thirty player is most likely to be top fifty in 2026? And without throwing a name out there, Costa, you are working on something that's looking at um, uh, survivorship. Is that how you would phrase it? Tell us about what you're working on. Yeah, I'm working on a survivorship model that just uh, tracks, uh, you know, tries to predict which players are still going to be around, you know, in a year and two years and three years. And it gives you gives specific percentages, error bands um, around each player's uh, chances of still being in the league. Um, you know, those, those are like, you know, 99% for most guys uh, in one year and then, you know, drop pretty dramatically after that. Um, and so that, that'll help answer when that's ready. Um, in terms of over 30 guys right now, uh, I kind of want to say Durant. Yeah, it's probably, uh, it's probably know, Durant or, or Harden. It's probably one of those two. Yeah, you know, I, I got faith in uh, how Durant's going to age a little more, even though he's got you know True. more injury history. Harden, I can kind of see him see uh, the athleticism waning, so to speak, uh, a little more. Uh, whereas Durant's always going to be seven feet tall. People are going to say, Costa, Harden, what are you talking about? He's not athletic at all. He's insanely athletic. He's unbelievably athletic. Like, just because he doesn't throw flashy dunks, his ability to stop and start and change speed and direction is why he's impossible to guard and why he drives, draws all these free throws because his ability to decelerate and accelerate is out of control. Like, that is that is what that's what makes him and Luca, despite looking pudgy and slow, that's what makes them absolutely elite at what they do. And that's, Absolutely. You know, and that's there's a reason not everybody does that stuff it's, yeah because they, they can't do it you, you can't yeah. do it that's oh i'll just do what harden does you, you can't do it because you, you can't like you just can't do it he can do it um all right i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna go and tell you guys because uh, i'm just I'm getting worked up so i need myself a delicious treat and one that's healthy and you know what it is it is built bar built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever whatever flavor you're after raspberry orange strawberry mint brownie the goat cookie and cream whatever flavor you want Built Bar will have you covered. But these aren't just delicious protein bars. These are bars that are good for you. What more can you ask for than a delicious tasting treat that is healthy? 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories. We've got four to five grams of carbs and four to five grams of uh, net carbs, four to five grams of sugar. That's what I meant to say. So go and buy a box of Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. Actually, just built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you can save 15% off the best tasting protein bar ever. Head to built.com and get yourself one, two, three, four boxes of Built Bar. Football season is back and we're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino game. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Okay, questions coming through here. Um, would you consider taking DeJounte Murray over Lamelo Ball in an eight cat league under absolutely no circumstance? Would I consider doing that? Not even close. Um, 
I mentioned those uh, that survivorship model I'm working on. Uh, Lamella Ball continually comes out number one or number two in terms of guys who, who Darko expects to stay around. It doesn't think he's got that absolute number one upside, but uh, as far as you know, uh, how, how long a guy's going to hang around, Darko's in love with Lamella. Very, very interesting. The future GM says, I drafted Keon Johnson, Alperin Shingun, Jaden Springer, Josh Giddy, Sharif Cooper, Moses Moody. Jesus Christ. What do you think? I think that's a lot of rookies. What do you think? Who do you think could crack top 50 by 2026 um, out of that group? Giddy, um, Shingun, pretty clearly. Uh, I'm not sure about Keon. Springer, eh, not sure. Uh, I like him and I like Cooper too. I'm just not sure he's going to get the opportunity. Anyone stand out to you there? Like Shingun's the obvious one. Shingo's the one who pops. You know, he was uh, number one on a lot of uh, draft models uh, from you know people people I follow. You know, the quality of the Turkish leagues uh, is, is a little unclear, but uh, a lot of statistical translations thought he should have gone. You know, absolutely number one. So I, he's definitely the guy for me. Yeah, so he was a clear top ten player. Should have been drafted in the top ten. It was crazy that he fell there, and crazy that Thunder then traded out of that pick. Um, yeah. Let's have a look. Eric Wagner says, I was going to call you Wagner there because I'm just so used to calling Franz. Um, what would you consider the four best advanced statistics in measuring future success? Well, Kostya, you're going to have some some uh, input here and some bias perhaps. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Number one, uh, absolutely, is going to be steals. Um, steals are you know just valuable. They're a category by themselves, but they also just predict which players know how to play. Um, they have a lot of sort of proxy value for basketball IQ, just court awareness. They're going to help. Uh, you're, they're going to help you stay on the court, and they help you tell. They help you tell which players can play. Um, beyond that, uh, I, I really care a lot about free throw percentage. Uh, Darko, whenever I do long term modeling, all the guys with the best free throw percentages end up popping uh, in the longer term projections. It helps predict your, your free throw shoot, your free throw shooting, but also your three point shooting, um, and it also just helps coaches trust you. Um, let's have a look. Well, let's yeah. go, you got any, any other ones that you're looking at? Well, they're the two major ones. Uh, the, other one that, the, the other one that I want to flag is uh, fouls. Um, you know, fouls, uh, don't, uh, you know, they're usually not a category by themselves, but they, again, they help uh, you project which players uh, are going to be able to expand their minutes, you know, from 20 minutes to 30 minutes going forward. And again, help, help you predict uh, playing time, which players, coaches are going to trust guys who don't foul too much. So that's a category I pay a lot of attention to. That's something to watch because Evan Mobley had a ridiculously low foul rate at USC and big men don't normally do that in college. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. Is Kevin Porter Jr. top 20 this year? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I drafted Zaire Williams at number three. When is he going to get 30 minutes a night? November, December? November, December 2030 maybe? Uh, yeah, he's not He's not playing this year. He's just not going to get minutes at all really this year unless there are injuries would be my guess, Kostya. Yeah, I mean, I, they, they got a lot of guys there. Uh, I think playing playing time for him, certainly at 30 minutes, is going to be tough. Uh, it, it'd be a weird scenario if, if he played that much. Very weird. All right, here's a question for you that I cannot answer. Do you do your projections for survivability by brute forcing data on analyzing, or do you have AI software scripts you wrote that do your projections for you? Uh, you know, yeah, I, I use a, a bunch of scripts. You know, it's public packages. I work in Python. Uh, I use a something called XG Boost uh, that helps with the survivorship model in particular. Um, I, you know, it's a, it's a true survivorship model though. I'll do a write-up at one point. Um, it's, it's, Briley Schmidt says, who are my top 12 points league players in order? You can check that out on Basketball Monster. I do projections over there and you can see depending on your format who's in the top 12. Again, I just cannot stress this enough. People 
Unbel- the amount of questions I get, who do I take with my first pick? It is almost the least consequential pick that you make in a draft. Like it's very hard to unless you can go unless you've lost your mind, it's very hard to get those guys wrong. It's not where drafts are won or lost, really. It's definitely not where they're won. Um all right, what do you got here? Ten keeper dynasty league from James Martin, drafting four rounds this season. Who would you target with a fifth pick? Well, I don't know who's there, so that's impossible for me to answer. Do you still have do you still have any hope, Kostya, for Mo Bumba? Uh not really, to be honest. I think uh <laughs> Fair I wanted to be kind. A lot of people I, I knew were fond of him, but uh, the trajectory is not great. Uh, I was actually looking at him in the survivorship model. Dark Dark is not too kind there. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope I'm wrong. He'd be a fun player to see succeed. Um, yeah, look, he's look permanent numbers in terms of fantasy stats are great, but he just looks lost on the court so often that, as I say all the time, per, per minute numbers are great. And that's awesome. But you actually have to be useful enough to get the minutes for that to translate across. And for him, it just hasn't been the case. So unless you're just going, we absolutely just need to see him play minutes to justify making this pick you know, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. And let's just finally let him out there. But his play would not suggest that he should be deserving of any minutes really over Wendell Carter Jr. It should be a you know, 30, 32 minute, 16 minute start a backup split it may not be because um yeah they, they might want to in, you know see what they've got out of these guys and see who they're going to give extensions to whatever they're going to do but in terms of on-court play he's been uh nowhere near that um play too i mean he's gonna i think he's gonna get the bulk of those minutes i would i would hope so uh let's have a look JP Lawrence says, what do you think about young bigs who are high blocks, high fouls, low minutes? That's the Mitch Robinson, Rob Williams type of guys. When they get big minutes, is it true they tend to get lower blocks to stay on the court? Yes, absolutely they do. It's very rare, because maybe you can you know, debunk what I'm saying here. It's very rare for a player who has extraordinarily high block rate um, with high fouls that when they're able to stay on the court, that their block rate maintains. And also most young bigs, as they get older, block rate declines. It just happens with everybody. Serge Barker used to average like 3.5 blocks a year. Then he started going down to like 1.4 as they start to defend in different ways. And it's the bigs who become so obsessed with blocks and become shit at the rest of the defense, shout out to Hassan Whiteside, that they're the only guys who can keep that block rate necessarily high or absolute freaks like Rudy Gobert. In general, blocks, as you get older, decrease and the more you stay on the court, your block rate decreases as well. Is that true? That's absolutely true. And the white, white side's a good case. You see, you know, the guys who don't decrease their blocks, who, who continue selling out for blocks, who get out of position to, you know, get that, you know, spectacular block, those guys end up st- uh, not being able to play. Coaches lose faith in them because uh, they start, you know, they start actually costing their team on the court. Um, and so guys, guys uh, stop getting as many blocks just because you know they need, they need to in order to stay in a position. Yeah, because blocking shots is not good defense. It can be part of good defense, but you block three shots a game and people get all like, oh my God, you blocked three shots a game. That's three shots. Like a team takes 50 shots. Like you've blocked three and what if you, and you've, you've let 20 others just go past you because you've been trying to get the block. Like that's shit defense. Now you can do both like Rudy Gobert does and be awesome at defending and also get two and a half to three blocks a game. Or you can try and just get as many blocks as possible and just let everyone else waltz to the rim. Like three blocks is absolutely nothing in the in the scheme of how many shots get taken in a game. And I think people need to, um, people need to yep. realize that, I guess. Blocks are a good proxy for you know you know again your vertical athleticism. Uh, they they, ser- they serve a purpose there that they're predictive, but by themselves they actually don't have that much like true value because you know 
50% chance that the ball is going back to the offense anyways there. So. All right. So, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, we're going to wrap this up soon. So let's just rapid fire through some questions. Is competitive fervor something you take into account when evaluating dynasty players? No, because you've got no idea. You, you have absolutely zero way of being able to measure that or judge that. It is complete, um, you know, baller slash hooper slash ball don't, st- don't stop bullshit that you cannot evaluate. Um, I assume you agree with that? You know, the one thing I'll say is... Uh I, I I care about how much effort it seems like guys are are, are paying paying uh, giving me out because I I do not believe in guys being able to turn it on. Uh, you know the effort they they play That's with true. now is a pretty good proxy for the effort they're going to play with in three or four years. That's just like oh when they get into a better situation they'll become so much better. And when this is it's like people would say this to me this and I'm, I know I said I was going to go quickly but I'm not. Um, oh Zach Levine now that they've got something to play for now he'll become a really good defender. Like yeah man, he just did, he pays no attention on that end and he hasn't at all. If he does great but that's probably like a two percent chance of that happening i think what we've seen from him is what we've seen that's not to say zach levine's a bad player it's just to say well now that his team is pushing to the playoffs now he's going to become a good defender i just don't think it works that way yeah it's not it's not a switch you turn on you know i I talk to guys in the league and you know they grade motor as a skill they don't they don't view it as something players can turn on and off it's just like something uh, about the player you know maybe can improve but most guys don't Conspiracy talk says, I see the heat going all the way this year. What do you think? I think not. Kostya? Yeah, I, I, they, they made some fun moves. I like Lowry, but you know he's on the downside. I think people are giving a little too much faith to PJ Tucker. Uh, not, not really buying it. Um, we'll do two more questions here. William Down says, do you think Zion could become the number one player in a points league in the next couple of years? I think it is absolutely possible. But the problem is your two top two, three guys in points leagues are Giannis... Luca and Jokic, and they're all super young. And they're 25, 26, or Luca's case, 21, 22. Like, those guys aren't going away. Zion can join them into that that group, but I don't think he's necessarily going to overtake those players. Yeah, and those guys are all super durable. I don't, you know, it's not a lot of uh, opportunity for turnover there. Um, do I think OG Ananobi is top 50? Absolutely. Here's one for you in terms of your Darko modeling. Keston Paul says, what's your thoughts on... He he clarified this. He says, this is Isaiah Hartenstein, by the way, because he just wrote Hartenstein. There's no other Hartensteins. What are your thoughts on Hartenstein and Najee Marshall for the future? I worry about Marshall shooting, and I like Hartenstein as a player. I just don't think he's ever going to get a large enough opportunity to show that. How do your models tend to look at those guys? Yeah, you know, Darko likes Hartenstein as a, as a player, uh, you know, in real real terms, uh, real on-court value. But uh, you know, doesn't really think he's gonna have huge fantasy impact. He seems like a guy who's gonna ha- settle into a 12, 18 kind of minute or a game role. Um, and I don't really see a lot of fantasy value there. Two more questions. Well, one one follow up here. Martin Rama says Jalen Green is obviously the epitome of competitive fervor. No, like no, like how 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 do you possibly judge that? Because he had an interview where he said that he wanted to win like you cannot judge that that it's impossible to and caution unless you know anything different to it you, you cannot judge that he is the epitome of competitive fervor yeah especially especially about guys you know i, I haven't seen in the nba I, I got no idea about his competitive fervor or whatever that whatever that means crooklyn smooth says bowl bowl breakout no i don't think he's even a part of their rotation this year yeah, sadly so. I like Bol Bol. Uh, I, I kind of hope he finds a di- different spot because I, th- I agree. I think he's probably out of the rotation. I'd like to see him uh, get a shot. Yeah, they're going to be playing Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic, 
Jermichael Green, Jeff Green. Like, there's their front court rotation there, and then it'll be Bowl. And don't be surprised if Zeke Naji actually overtook Bowl Bowl this season and was the, the sixth guy that jumps into that front court mix rather than Bowl. I wouldn't uh, be placing too many high hopes on him. Kostya, I reckon we're going to wrap that up right now. Well, not I reckon. I know we are. So let's... Uh, oh, well, let me thank you for your time. And people, again, can follow you on Twitter at KMedved. And uh, we're pretty interested to see your survivorship stuff come out over the coming days and weeks. Uh, thank you again for joining us and t- chatting some Dynasty with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Guys, that's it for today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube and you've been watching us live, give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Subscribe, share, tell your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening and watching, everyone. See ya.